Hola, my name is Erica, certified parent coach and mom of two. Welcome to Corazón Parenting, the go-to show for cycle breaker parents paving the way to a new way of parenting. In this podcast, we will discuss all things related to parenting and child development, helping you navigate the common communication breakdowns, behavioral challenges, power struggles, and emotional roller coaster that comes with parenting. Thank you for being here and welcome to this episode. Hola, welcome to episode three of the podcast. Thank you for being here. Um, so again, I've been reflecting on the last episode. Um, it's interesting because in this format, there isn't really a two-way communication. I'm, I'm not really getting an instant reaction to the things I say. So I do think and reflect on what I said, and I'm just wondering, did that land well? And I did want to clarify something that just stayed in my mind, uh, something I mentioned last time. I, I want to be careful with the message and the tone that I put out there. Um, and so I want to clarify a few things that I don't think I explained in full detail in the last episode. I just think about what I put out there, how that's being received. And I start picturing uh, people in my life and how they may receive this information, especially when I'm talking about parenting practices from one generation to the next and women breaking cycles. And so, of course, I think of my own parents and if they were listening to the episode or, again, my in-laws or just other people in that generation in my life, if they were to listen to that episode, how would it be received? And so, I, again, I want to be careful on the message and the tone that I put this information. It's not my intention to send a message where I'm pointing fingers or that's how I'm coming across. Um and it's, it's not about making changes from one generation to another generation necessarily. It's not all that. I look at a bigger picture. Um, so when I talk about things of how we were raised, it's, it's within the context of the society that we live in. And I, I think I'm going to be saying this a lot. It's not about how we treat children from one generation to the next, but how we as a society view children as part of this society. And I don't think that that's generational. I think a lot of the things that we discuss about things that didn't feel good when we were children, that's still happening to some capacity, either in parenting or in, in other situations, if it's school or other institutions that are interested with the care of children. So how do we view child behavior? How do we handle child behavior? How do we support them? How do we talk to children? How do we view them as human beings and, you know, how do we view their autonomy and their place in this world where there is that hierarchy of uh, power and how do we use that power? So, again, it's not generational and a lot of the things, it's not all generational, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And that wasn't really my experience fully. So I don't, I don't want to come across that way. It's more about thinking about how we interact with children in general, as a society, bigger picture. And if you ever see any sort of video on social media about a, a baby in a plane, and you look at the comments of that video, you can kind of get an idea of how we as a society view children. And like, that's basically <laughs> part of what I'm talking about. So I just wanted to explain that. I felt the need to, to make that clarification. Anyways, thank you for being here. On today's episode, we are going to talk about how, with our parenting, we can help cultivate a strong inner compass in our kids. 
where they listen to their inner voice and they can live a life that is true and authentic to them. A strong sense of self, self-confidence, self-trust. Kids who are authentic to who they are, who are less likely to give in to peer pressure. How we as parents can support their growth in that area. So I'm glad that you're here. Let's start talking about why this is important. To start off, research shows that one of the biggest factors to living a happy and fulfilling life is how authentically we show up to our lives. This means living a life that is true to who we are, trusting, listening, and taking action that aligns with our inner voice, how closely we live our lives based on our desires. And this happens in the ordinary and the small day-to-day decisions that we make about our lives, how much of those decisions are influenced by, you know, again, coming back to our inner voice by the things that matter to us. People who live lives where they are authentically themselves know themselves well. They know their likes, their dislikes. They have a deep connection with their inner voice. And when they're making decisions, they they go inward. They they figure out how that decision impacts them and, and, and really cross-reference based on their beliefs, their values, their interests, rather than you know, making a decision and seeking validation or the opinions or the advice of others because they lack self-trust. And again, this is like, like very deeply lacking self-trust, not really just the, the common bouncing off of ideas of others that you trust or whose opinion you value, but doing it from a place where you don't trust yourself to make the right decision, or you just don't know yourself well enough to know what that deci- what the best decision for you is. People who live a life that is authentic to themselves, who ha- people who have a, a good inner compass, who listen to their inner voice, they're less likely to be impacted by the opinions of others, like negatively impacted to judgments or the influence of others. They're less likely to give into peer pressure or to, again, self-abandon to fit in. They're able to confidently stand up for their beliefs and their moral values, even when they're standing up alone, again, because they have that strong inner compass. They're less likely to conform to social norms just because of the social pressure and are more likely to challenge outdated or unjust or problematic ways of doing things just because. Which, you know, if if we look at what's happening around the world right now, that's super important all the time. And they're just more likely to live a life of integrity because they know themselves well, they know their worth, and they stand by those by their values. These are some of the benefits of a child having a strong inner compass, being connected to themselves and listening to their inner voice. When we don't live a life that is authentic to who we are, when we don't follow our inner compass, we're living a life that's essentially not ours. Um, Life becomes unfulfilling. We're disconnected from ourselves. We're disconnected from what we want. We're disconnected from our feelings. And so our actions don't align with, with, again, who we truly are. And this impacts the quality of our lives, of course. Uh, It impacts our stress levels and anxiety levels just because there's not that alignment. And we honestly are probably living a very superficial life. There's not a lot of depth to our life when, when there's a lack of alignment in that sense. And... Um, I think many of us get to experience kind of like that breaking point where you're, when, where you're feeling that lack of fulfillment, this type of breakthrough <laughs> is often called a quarter life crisis or a midlife crisis, just because you realize how, you know, you, you really realize the things that matter and how 
how that reflects back in, in the life that you're living. And so again, living out of alignment in adulthood, that can look like choosing a career, not because it aligns with your interests or your desires or your values, but maybe because it's what your parents wanted for you, or maybe because it's a, a career that's deemed prestigious, prestigious and well-respected by others. It can also look like maybe not taking action on the things that bring you joy um, out of fear of what others may think. It looks like having superficial relationships just to fit in or to have a sense of belonging. And so for our kids, this can look like giving into peer pressure to be accepted. It can look like seeking validation. So people pleasing, needing to do things very perfectly, being the good kid, getting the good grades, you know, being very distressed when they make mistakes or being very consumed when they get that bad grade or when they lose the game, basically placing a lot of value in the things that they do because they connect it so much to their worth. And again, this is due to the fact that their inner compass, their sense of self is very much tied to what others think of them rather than what they think of themselves and just seeing their value and their worth just because they are. And so as we think of our kids growing into the preteen and the teen years, how can we help them develop this strong sense of self and inner compass so that when they grow into this stage where peer relationships are such a priority, much more than uh, their relationships with adults and with their parents, how can we really build that foundation of a very strong sense of self and self-worth so that when they are in these situations where peer pressure may come in or where they have to make decisions um, that could be risky where they, again, face that need to fit in or to belong or to be part of a group where they're still staying true to themselves. And again, the teen years are especially challenging because their brain is already just automatically favoring peer connection and peer uh, belonging. And they're also much more into seeking novelty and risk taking as it is. So it's super important that when they're at this stage, again, that we have built that inner voice in them so that they are able to stand up to their beliefs, their values, their own boundaries, their voice, and really prioritize their comfort level as they're navigating again that need to belong and to be part of these social groups, but also again not the, at the expense of themselves and self-sacrificing and molding themselves into these social groups. That inner voice is greatly influenced by their the relationship with us, what we mirror back to them, and how they make sense of how we interact with them. And so it's super important that we build these skills through our relationship with them. And it's not just on what we say, unfortunately, no, it's what we do and how they end up internalizing, again, that relationship with us. And so it starts in their relationship with us. How are they maybe abandoning themselves? How are we also being conditional in the way that we interact with them? Where we send this message, and it's not intentional, but it, it becomes internalized that certain parts of them are okay and cer certain parts of them are not okay and that they do have to mold themselves in order to feel like they belong and to feel like they're accepted. So where does this come from, this need, or where do we start compromising who we are or self-abandoning or hiding parts of ourselves in order to fit in? Well, 
There are two very basic psychological needs that we have as human beings. Number one is a need for agency, that is to be ourselves, to have control over our lives, to be able to make decisions for ourselves, to have a sense of autonomy in our lives. And then the other one is a need for social and emotional connection, a need for attachment, a need to belong. And so we have these two and and there has to be this perfect balance, but sometimes They are at odds, especially when we are in relationship with others. Um, But this need for social and emotional connection is a very primitive primitive need as a social species that we are. We have this biological predisposition for interpersonal relationships. So what happens is sometimes we will choose that self-abandonment for the need to to fit in and to, to be included. And so sometimes through socialization, we learn to compromise part of ourselves to be accepted from an early age. And this is where parenting comes in because this can be the first moments where we start to do that. Um, And sometimes it just comes from a very good intention on our part as parents, but we, we don't really recognize what ends up happening internally, you know, psychologically, emotionally, especially when we have a young child that has such a need for connection and attachment. Um, Because they understand that attachment to us means survival. So when we do things that feel conditional, where, where their worth is conditional based on how good they are, um, where they're receiving praise and attention and love and connection when they're good, and maybe they mostly or only see those positive um, forms of affection from us in those moments, and then they receive the negative, um, maybe punishments or disconnection, um, things that evoke negative feelings when they are quote unquote bad or when their behavior does not meet our expectations and there's no really in between or unconditional moments. And like I mentioned in the last episode, that inner voice is greatly influenced by what we mirror back to them as to who they are and also guide them towards forming a certain set of values and beliefs. Well, we have to be very intentional and very careful with how we seek to motivate our kids. Um, sometimes what happens in an attempt to motivate our kids to do the right thing, to choose positive decisions, um, we create conditional moments with them where they see themselves being praised only when they do, when they do good things or mostly then, and then they get disconnection from us when they do the opposite, when they don't meet our expectations, when they behave in a way that we see as bad. So it creates moments of condition where in their minds, even in sometimes it's not even in a conscious level, but they learn to see themselves, um, they're worth being conditional. And so this is where they learn that certain parts of them are not as accepted as others. And this is where they start maybe to people please. Um, or to hide certain parts of themselves or to make decisions that, you know, for, for the sake of making us happy and proud rather than because that's what they want to do. And so sometimes it's not even intentional on our part or even something that they are aware of. But how do we create this balance where they're able to be themselves and in our parenting where we're able to teach the life lessons that we want to teach without creating a conditional relationship with them. 
we're going to be talking about this a lot in future episodes, and it's just about creating a mindset shift of how we relate with our kids and the parenting tools that we use to, you know, guide our children. But basically, it comes down to prioritizing connection and relationship, parenting in ways where we are not withdrawing love and connection and creating this psychological distress in them when they do things that don't meet our expectations or require correction and how do we redirect and how do we guide and how do we teach that lesson so we'll be talking a lot about that just making a shift in the parenting tools that we use so that they don't threaten the relationship both with them and within themselves with themselves We'll be shifting away from sending this message, accidentally sending this message where they see their worth as conditional based on how they meet our expectations. And this happens even in the most positive moments. So if we have a child that is just such a good child, they're so mature, they're so smart, they're so studious, we're creating labels that, wow, this makes us so proud when they're this way, so positive, and there's this pressure then on them that this is who they have to be. This is the label, the box that they have to fit in. And so if they don't, there's a lot of pressure, right? Because there's a lot of positive uh, attention, a lot of positive association when they show up in this way. And so sometimes labels, even when they're good, they can create, again, this conditional relationship with them in their mind. That's That's where they start to see their worth, So we want to be very careful with the labels that we use, that we don't box our kids in, in labels, that don't, that we don't define them by specific moments, by specific behaviors. They're not their behaviors. They're not the way they acted on that one day where they didn't get enough sleep and they acted out like they're a full human being and they are worthy of showing their full range of emotions and they're still learning how to manage them. And that's what we're here for, to guide them. This is also why parenting and trying to drive positive behavior through punishments and rewards is also not very helpful. Again, it creates these moments of condition where, and it also limits their intrinsic motivation. So now they're being motivated by either being praised or being rewarded or by avoiding the punishment sometimes punishments and rewards end up being the withdrawal of attention and love and connection or the giving of love connection and attention when you know when they behave in a certain way so it becomes conditional and sometimes we're not even aware of it sometimes it's just the way that their very immature underdeveloped brains are interpreting situations and if there's not that conversation if if we don't bring it to light we don't get to see how their brain en- ends up making sense of their worth, that there is conditions of worth based on the way that we respond to their behavior through punishments or rewards. And a lot of times, difficult, challenging behavior, it's not a child intentionally wanting to be bad. I would say that's the majority of the time, if not all. It's more a child needing help, needing to build skills being very emotionally dysregulated or just being very, it's something that's very age appropriate. So when we view behavior as good good or bad or through this punishment or reward system, 
when in reality it's behavior that's trying to tell us that there's something underneath, again, we create these moments of conditional worth or conditional uh, attention um, where our love, our connection gets seen as conditional. And so we've covered that sometimes children would will learn to self-abandon or to people please in order to feel like they belong or to feel connected to us, like they're, they're, they're being accepted. And then other times when we're talking about a need for autonomy, um, our parenting can sometimes be restrictive if we're using parenting tactics that are a little bit more forceful, where we are using our position of power as parents and that power dynamic. And maybe there's fear, maybe there's more control, maybe we're more restrictive. Um, we, you know, again, we're, we're coming in where we are not allowing our children to have enough autonomy over their lives. And this does end up impacting their confidence, their ability to, to uh, feel comfortable with making mistakes, with failing, with getting things wrong. Because in childhood, we have normalized that when they make mistakes and when they get things wrong, they get punished. And so we want to be very, very careful in the message that we send across again when we are directing, redirecting behavior that's problematic. Um, again, if we are too restrictive, if fear is a big tool that we use, it could end up impacting in ways that maybe we didn't think of for future years to come. And so the big message is how can we parent and redirect our kids in a way where we are not creating moments of condition, conditional love, even when we're not intentionally doing it, but where we're not sending that message. We want to be very careful that we're not withdrawing our love and connection as a means to punish our kids just because of that deeper meaning that it can have in a child's mind, especially, you know, the younger they are, the more impacted that they are by this because their need for attachment is that much stronger. And we want to recognize this need for autonomy in our kids' lives. How can we parent in a way where they still have a say over the things that they do, where they feel comfortable being who they are, where we're not really restricting them? It's also about being very careful with labels. Labels are good with helping us really make sense of things, but labels can be restrictive and they, they can even be... They can blind us. They can limit our ability to see our kids as they fully are when we are too committed to a label, whether it's a positive label or a negative label. Let's our children be full human beings who can express the full range of emotions that they have and who are practicing being human and learning to be human and learning to manage their emotions and learning positive behavior, positive expressions of, of those feelings. I want to share with you a story of a mom who kind of exemplifies what happens and the patterns that we can end with us in our relationship with our kids. So she was sharing with me how her son is just always such a good kid. She always gets praised by everyone in school just when she's out and about of just how well behaved he is and how mature he is for his age. Here she is trying to get ready for a party with him and has laid out his clothes. He's five years old 
and he's just not happy with the outfit that she's put together for him. And this time he is kind of insisting that that's not what he wants to wear. He has a specific outfit he has in mind and it doesn't really go with this, the the um, event that she's going to. So she's trying to really convince him that that's not what he's wearing, that the, his clothes has been laid out and that's what he's going to wear. And so he throws a huge tantrum. And of course, that really escalates. It escalates her. Um, she's not showing up the way she wants to show up because now she's upset she's trying to get out of the house and as she's going through this you know he ends up getting punished and she's she's feeling like she was too harsh and now she's feeling bad and after sitting with this for a while she kind of recognizes that the reason why she was just having such a hard time letting him choose his clothes was because she put so much emphasis and she worries so much about what others will think of her and how she will be judged both in herself, how she dresses herself, how she presents herself, but also how her kids present themselves. So just looking at this situation, here we have a kid who's labeled like such a good kid, such a good kid, always behaving. And here he's putting his foot down that, you know, he wants this sense of control over what he wears. And this is a situation where he's speaking up and, and this is what it escalates to. And it turns out that after this, mom really reflects on what happened. It has nothing to do with the clothes that she's putting out there or what he's choosing or his behavior, his tantrum. But it's more about this fear within her of being judged, right? Of placing that worth or that concern over what others will think. And so how are we kind of repeating this over and how are we managing certain parenting situations where they have nothing to do with what we are dealing with in the moment? It's not that surface level, but like really the feelings deep underneath. If we're willing to reflect, if we're willing to sit with what happened and reflect and really question both, why did I get so worked up? And what what could have been going on for my kid? Here I have what I call a really good kid and they just want to be able to wear what they want. And why don't we allow kids to just have that sense of autonomy over their clothes? So as we end this episode, I invite you to think of your child or your kids if you have multiple kids or even yourself in childhood. And think of this two basic needs that we have. Again, a need for agency, which is a need for autonomy to have control over your life, to be able to express yourself as you are, that that need. And then the need for, for belonging and how, you know, again, there has to be a good balance between the two where you are able to show up as who you are and um, without abandoning any, abandoning yourself so that you can be accepted by your peer group. And as I think of my children, I, I think I have one of each where I have a child who has a very big need for autonomy. And you know you have this child because you probably have told them or you have thought to yourself, they would make such a great lawyer. <laughs> they're always advocating for themselves. They're always, they always have something to say. They, they always have something to come back with. They're also... Um, they also challenge us to live up to the standards that we place on them. They have a very big need for fairness and for equality in this parent-child relationship. And a lot of times we interpret these, this need, these behaviors as talking back, as being disrespectful. But again, it's this need for autonomy and for agency. And when I think of this child as they grow up, when I think of my own child... 
they have such a big need to have control over the decisions of their lives that we want to be careful that we're not too restrictive because I can picture this child making the wrong decision because they want to challenge us where they don't want to be told what to do. So if we're going to be overly restrictive with them, they're going to go do the opposite thing, even though they may know in their head that that's not the best decision for them, but just the need to make the decision for themselves, they're going to go and do it. And that's that's what I think of when I think of this child not having that need for agency that they so need. And they're, they're children who have that need more. They're going to be the kids who are more outspoken, who will b- fight back when they don't feel like something is fair. They're going to be the child that more than likely is going to be categorized as a troublemaker. And then there's the child who has a bigger need for connection and belonging. And this child, again, if it's maladaptive, they are more likely to potentially go into people-pleasing and self-abandon just to fit in where they may, um, again, not speak up for themselves as much as they should because they, they want to conform and they want to be part of the peer group. So how do we help this child have a really strong sense of self, really exercise the power of their voice and, and for them to have a lot of confidence in, in being who they are. And again, it comes back to how we practice that in our relationship with them, where we don't make love conditional, where we don't accidentally create that dynamic where in order to belong, they have to be a certain kind of way and where we're only praising them when they're being good and we're punishing them when they're being bad and there's no conversation, there's no there's no unconditional conversations of love where they're good just because they are, right? Where we have this, this punishment reward system with them where they're this good and bad mentality in terms of their behavior and we're accidentally sending the message that they're lovable when they're good and they're unlovable when they're bad. And again, this can happen in very small ways, especially because, again, their brain is so underdeveloped and it has such a need for attachment. The younger that they are, the more that that happens. And so sometimes it's just their interpretation of situations that we would have no idea because that's not that's not our intention. And the biggest thing I will leave you with in terms of that is don't use the withdrawal of your attention, connection, your relationship with them as a means of punishment or as a means to drive behavior uh, just because of the impact that that has emotionally and psychologically. Um, so this could look like, you know, timeout, sending them to the room to be that by themselves. It could be punishing by not doing this one thing that you always do together, uh, bedtime routines or just one-on-one time routines. Don't use taking away of connection or moments with you as a form of punishment just because this could reinforce this belief. And again, we'll go into detail as to what you could do instead. Uh, But I hope you like this episode. Thank you for being here and I'll see you in the next one. If you've made it this far, I just want to take a moment to thank you for listening right through and to express my gratitude for following yet another episode of Corazon Parenting. And if this topic resonates with you and you would like to learn more about how my private parent coaching services can help you transform your relationship with your child, please follow the link in the show notes to book a free consultation call with me.